0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program, I'm your host Robert Helms. There are lots of ways to fund your real estate deals beyond just putting cash down or getting a loan. We're going to talk about some creative ways as well as introduce you to an amazing guest today on the Real Estate Guys radio program.
1: Are you still sitting on the sidelines trying to figure out when and where you're going to buy those investment properties? Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Atlanta, Georgia is still on sale, but you better act fast because the deals are almost gone. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners, and I want you to know that there may not be a better investing opportunity than Atlanta right now. Listed as one of the fastest growing markets in the country, both in terms of jobs and population, Forbes predicts 26% appreciation over the next three years. At Georgia Residential Partners, we sell turnkey cash-flowing investment properties. We also sell wholesale properties at insane discounts. We're launching a new home construction product this summer as well. And if you're still nervous about stepping out into another market, I will personally partner with you on a small portfolio of homes, if that's what it takes. Don't wait any longer. Check us out at gainvesting.com or call our office at 770-924-5450. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to the Real
0: Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. This week we are in New York City, one of our favorite places to visit. Let's say hello to our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Always a pleasure to be in fabulous New York, the Big Apple. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And uh, you'll find out why in a few minutes because we've got a great guest who uh, practices right here in New York. But we've been on, on the Real Estate Guys whirlwind tour uh, all over the place. Just uh, recently, we're uh, in Orlando for yep. uh, Glenn Mather and New Views, big event. That was
2: uh, that was a great, great day. It's a great event. I mean, it's uh, all about investing with your IRA, and largely, that's also about alternative investing, kind of a theme we're going to have today in terms of alternatives. And uh, I always crack up when I hear this word alternative, because if you really think about it, you know, what's really alternative is all this newfangled derivatives and ETFs and flash trading, electronic exchanges. I mean, if you just get back to the bread and butter of what a human society is all about and the role of money and investing and its community, it's investing in business, it's making loans to friends and family, people you know, launching small businesses, creating jobs. And somehow we got away from all of that and it became this highly sophisticated, consolidated operation run by a very small elite group of people that really had access to all of what's going on under the hood. And it didn't take too long when you have that much money flowing through a system for people to begin to figure out how to siphon some of it off. So I'm really excited that, you know, a lot of investors right now are really opening up their mind and seeking out opportunities to get more involved directly in the investments in the people and really circumvent and bypass a lot of that infrastructure that is highly taxed, highly feed, highly manipulated, and has proven to be largely unethical and untrustworthy. Not that I have an opinion on the matter (laughs) at all.
0: Well, you know, like the New Orleans Investment Conference, an alternative kind of investment conference. There are people there absolutely that had lots invested in stock markets, mutual funds, and those things, but looking towards alternative investments. And so today we're really going to talk about how do you get a deal funded? Imagine that you're looking to raise capital or you you're a developer or you have big goals and dreams and you don't have all the money you need, there's ways to go out there. We think of real estate as as simple like I can buy it with the cash I have or I can get a loan. Well, as we learned at the NewView event, you can certainly figure out how to invest in real estate and other non-traditional assets with your IRA, a self-directed retirement fund. A lot of different ways to have your retirement account, not just IRAs.
2: Which Um, is a $5 trillion pool of funding out there, by the way.
0: Absolutely. We uh, last year, of course, went to the crowdfunding event. Couldn't make it this year. We would have been there if we could have, but the dates didn't line up. But this is a, a whole new area where people are coming together and bringing in groups of people to get behind a project, an idea, or even a piece of real estate and and fund that way?
2: Well, there's a lot of regulations that have always been in the way or really, I would say, steering money into established institutions in the name of public safety. Again, we can go back whether or not that's been effective or what the motivations were, but at the end of the day, that's the way it worked. And now with technology, the ability for people to communicate, share ideas, share information, access deals, you know, peer to peer lending, as entrepreneurs begin to apply these technologies to business, uh, law has a hard time keeping up, which is often the case with technology. The, the, the world has gotten smaller. A lot of these jurisdictional restrictions, you know, it's like internet tax. I mean, how do you figure out? Okay. I ordered it online. Well, where does the company reside? who's going to collect the sales tax because the sales tax in one county is different. Some states have it. Some states don't. Some states have it high. Some states have it low. A state says, hey, if it even touches my borders, I ought to get a piece of it and everybody's trying to figure it out meanwhile anytime you siphon off money for taxes from the operation you know you begin to detract the appeal the internet largely got off the ground i know for me i could order all kinds of things and not have to pay sales tax and i like that it was like a 10 percent boost in purchasing power i thought it was great the point is is law has a hard time keeping up but now we're at a point where laws are starting to make some of these things more available at the same time you have entrepreneurs and technologists pushing the envelope and you're adding to that now a global factor. So it's not just entrepreneurs, but literally it's governments now getting involved, thinking, well, how can we find ways to change what we're doing? I mean, it's not been unusual, right? We talk about Belize all the time and a lot of those little Caribbean countries or smaller countries around the world who just don't have the resources or the economic infrastructure to compete. And they're trying to attract capital. Well, how do you do that, right? And so what they do is they create friendly banking laws or friendly tax havens or asset protection, things that wealthy people look at and go, hey, I'm going to put part of my, my assets over there. And so you have all of these different factors inside of all of that chaos, as often is the case, there's a lot of opportunity for people that are willing to kind of roll up their sleeves, pay attention, and look for the opportunities. And we're going to talk about some of that today.
0: Well, we've talked for quite a long time about the opportunity there is to raise other people's money, to syndicate deals. It's another form of leverage. Instead of you putting in all the money, say three guys or gals go together and buy a a building, that could look different than the risk you would take doing it all yourself. And maybe for whatever reason, the property isn't such that it's easy to get a loan on, but capital is, is necessary necessary so a lot of different ways to do that joint ventures so as a real estate investor you don't want to get locked into thinking there's only one way to do real estate there are so many ways if we've learned anything in the last few weeks it's that there are just a thousand ways to do real estate and people are doing them at least two thousand ways
2: well i mean in the 10 years i've done the show with you right robert i mean how have we ever run out of anything to talk about well not yet I, i'm thinking early next
0: year we'll be done that we'll have all covered all the real estate topics in 18 and a half years and It is a
2: dynamic moving platform. It's a very very exciting space because there's so many things that change. You know, the macroeconomic factors, the interest rates, the laws, uh, the economic cycles, the demographics of people and what they're interested in and now that we've become a very global economy, fast moving, you see all kinds of inefficiencies that can be exploited, which is exciting. It's a one you know, one of the criticisms I have of a lot of the public securities and exchanges is that those securities are the same everywhere around the earth, right? And so when people are bidding on them, everybody gets kind of perfect exposure, which is great if you're a seller. If you're a buyer it's a little bit tougher. How do you get a deal? And of course, you know, insider information is illegal in securities, but not in real estate. In the old days, it used to be friends and family and guys would work the golf course and they would go to places. And you should still be doing all those things, right? Going to where the wealthy people are, trying to get into relationships, build trust, be able to do the friends and family deal. But again, the world is opening up a little bit more and social networks are no longer geographic. They're almost more demographic. And you could be connected with people who are in your demographic that are any place around the world. So the quandary that a lot of the legislators have about how do you regulate all of this? I mean, what do you do with foreign capital coming in? Are those people subject to the same securities laws coming in from just in the United States? I mean, you know, over the years when we've gone to raise money, you've got different laws from state to state. And if you're going to raise money across state borders, you had to be mindful of that. So it's more complex, but at the same time, there's also a whole world of opportunity out there.
0: Well, if you weeks back, we talked to John Green about economic citizenship in St. Kitts and Nevis. And there are other places, and if you haven't heard that show, you can go back and hear that. But the idea that there are foreign investors who are looking to have residency in a place and this jurisdiction, uh, among others, makes it available for... For real estate investors to make an investment in not just any investment, but a qualified investment in a particular area, well, there's also folks who are living outside of the United States looking to invest here. The U.S., for all of its faults, has often been a haven for investors. People want to put capital here. People see that the real estate in many parts of the U.S. have been on sale for the last few years, and there there are ways to create that. So, if we look at what we talked about with John, was Okay as a Canadian or a US citizen I want to be able to get, you know, residency offshore. There's a whole bunch of folks offshore looking to come into the US. And today we're going to talk specifically about the EB-5 program. And this is a program that is designed to help foreign nationals, people living outside the United States create residency inside the united states and part of the reason why we're here in new york is to introduce you to our great guest her name is mona shaw and her company is internationally licensed to practice law in the u.s china and the uk and she's an immigration attorney that's going to help enlighten us about how we can use foreign capital as real estate investors that's next right here on the real estate guys radio program
3: real estate investment advice right in your mailbox sign up for the free real estate guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com if you've been listening to the real estate guys
0: for a while then you've heard about the legendary investor summit Simply put, it's the highest-level event we do, and the content, faculty, and attendees are amazing. If you're serious about taking your real estate investment to the next level, consider joining us. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. And you'll have a blast. Join Peter Schiff, Ken McElroy, Tom Hopkins, and the Real Estate Guys for the 13th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. It all begins March 5th, 2015 in Miami, Florida. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more and reserve your spot. The event is more than 80% sold out, so make plans to join us. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 13th Annual Investor Summit. Don't miss the boat.
1: Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com and also on the annual Investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. This free e learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com.
4: Hi, this is Lawrence Yeun, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors,
5: and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome
0: back to The Real Estate Guys radio program in New York City this week. a uh, very privileged to have with us, an attorney and a gal who knows a ton about uh, this topic we're going to be exploring today, the EB-5. Please welcome to The Real Estate Guys program, Mona Shaw. How are you?
5: Very well, thank you. And thank you very much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, this is an amazing, amazing alternative for real estate, and I've been anxious to, to talk to someone who really knew about this. We mentioned this on the show about a year ago when we started to hear inklings of people looking to come to the United States and, and put capital to use. And boy, I was so impressed with your talk the other day. You seem to know everything about this. So I guess let's start with what EB-5 is.
5: Thank you. Um, well, EB-5 is a form of alternative financing, but it's also an, a method of getting into the country by using uh, an, inv- via an investment visa. Um, and every country has an investment visa. It just so happens that in America, we have a little bit of a different system whereby we put in or an investor rather would put in um, a certain amount of money into a project and create jobs now how does that tie into um, real estate? Right. Well, <laughs> the job creation from real estate comes from various different sources, from construction workers. Um, if it's a hotel, for example, then there are operational jobs. It could be a, it could be a real estate um, assisted living home, and then there's plenty of jobs in assisted living homes, charter schools, shopping malls. There's the the list is endless.
0: So, Mona, the idea is that someone who lives in another country wants to come to the United States and and basically be able to get a green card. This is an investment vehicle for them. So they've got to invest capital into the U.S. and it has to meet these guidelines. And the project's are designed to create jobs. It doesn't have to be real estate necessarily, it could be a company, but of course, as you're saying, a lot of real estate does create jobs.
5: Right, well the actual investor is supposed to invest a million, um, but there's a little rule which allows him to invest 500,000 under certain circumstances. Now one 500,000 itself isn't really very much money in 2014. However, if you pool uh, several 500,000s and maybe the developer has a little money of his own and can get a mortgage also, then you're talking about a amount of capital. Well
0: in fact you uh, gave a whole bunch of uh, examples of projects. So walk us through a couple of the case studies, the kinds of projects that are being funded with this money.
5: Well, in New York, um, which is quite hot for real estate, we have many projects, and a lot of them are uh, high-end projects. One of the ones which people don't even remember or don't even know is the Barclay Center that was funded by EB-5. We have um, some of the first projects, Brooklyn Navy Yard, Steiner Studios. Um, there's the Extel Diamond Tower in um, in the city. There's the Times Square Hotel in the city. There's the Park Avenue Hotel in the city. Um, in fact, there are a lot of other hotels <laughs> right now in downtown there's um uh, there's a huge billion dollar project going ahead which is uh, silverstein's project for four, for four seasons um, there's Atlantic Yards in Brooklyn, and I do believe the Tappan Zee Bridge is also going to be a fa- an EB-5 project. So EB-5 really covers a huge uh, spectrum, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a mega project. We have a number of smaller franchises and some other small expansions um, of, of hotels, condominiums, which also take in EB-5.
0: Now, they have to qualify. It's not just anybody can take this investor money and go do a real estate project. It's got to meet the job criteria. And you, you spoke about direct jobs and indirect jobs. Can you talk about that?
5: Sure. There are three ways of, of filing an EB-5 project. You can do either a through a regional center. And a regional center is an approved body and approved by the government for you to be able to uh, do a project and use what's called implied and indirect jobs uh, for which you'll need an economic methodology. Now, to say that in English, it basically (laughs) means that if you have a large project and you want a lot of investors and you have to create a lot of jobs, then you can you have to count all the jobs that you create, not just the direct ones. So, if you're putting up a hotel, for example, um, as an indirect job, you could count the little 7-Eleven, which springs up next door for the construction workers, or you could count the garbage persons. Uh, Other indirect jobs would be the extra jobs which uh, come up at Macy's because all the construction workers are giving the money to their wives, so they go out and spend. Yeah. um, an induced job would be perhaps the 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 glass or the the window frame for the hotel part um so you there is a there is a specific methodology all the uh, jobs are counted and uh, you come up with a a final number now you can only do that through a regional center and uh, a lot of projects need to apply first of all for a regional center designation if you haven't got time or you don't want to or you don't need to do that um and you have a project which is going to um it's going to produce enough direct jobs, then you could just count the direct jobs. And the direct jobs are basically W-2, full-time workers, 35 hours a week.
0: So if someone's coming in and they're interested in this program, and and, uh, we'll talk about demand in a minute because there's a lot of (laughs) demand for this on both sides, how is it that they decide what project they want to be involved with?
5: That's the hard part. <laughs> right now, there's a ton of projects out there. And for an investor coming in, it is difficult. Sometimes they go with friends that they know. Sometimes it's just the advertising. Um, it's really very hard. I, I would suggest that they talk to somebody and, and look around and do some due diligence. Um, because projects are good projects or bad projects, depending on a number of factors. Location, for example. Uh, what is the capital stack? How much debt is involved? Where is the EB-5 capital? in comparison to the mortgage and other stuff. So there's a a bunch of things to look at.
0: Well, and it's important because uh, as you pointed out when uh, I got to hear you speak the other day, there's a great opportunity for developers to use this financing because of the cost of the financing. And at the same time, there's also some limitations as to recourse. So let's talk about that side of it. But I'm a developer and I decide, okay, this sounds like a a source of, of income. I see a lot of people are coming into the country. They want to put their money to work. How does it work on the developer side?
5: Well, you're right. Actually, it has been big on developers. Um, in the beginning, there weren't that many. And now you have the big names. I mean, things like Silverstein and Atlantic Yards and all of those type. They're, the, they're the big guys. Yep. For the developers, it's, it's a, it's a no brainer. It's, uh, undiluted, uh, meaning that there's no, um, equity. So it's a loan and it's unsecured. So that's again, a reason for an investor to really look at where he's going because there's no security and there's no guarantee allowed.
0: All right. So it may be that the construction loan is the only other vehicle, but there might be some owner's equity. This is could feel like a second or a third or fourth loan, but it's not even really tied to the project directly. So is that part of the reason that regional centers have to be approved and so forth, is so there's some level of vetting of these developers?
5: Right, right. Well, there's a number of reasons why you need a regional center. Um, and I do think, yes, it's, it's so there's some element of control, um, as well as that a regional center allows you to have multiple projects if you want to. Um, And there are a number of regional centers which have set up and set themselves up as little banks. They'll go out and get the investor, then they have to get a project. So a developer himself may not necessarily have his own regional center. He may go out and find a regional center because he doesn't want to bother with all of that.
0: Well, and let's talk about how the investment works. Is there a standard time frame or is there an average amount of time? It's got to be a project that creates jobs, but how long does the person coming in, the foreign national how long does their money have to stay in the project
5: well, the money must be invested and it must be sustained uh, in the project. Um, the way it works um, is the the money comes in and the petition gets filed. Um, once the petition is filed, the investor then receives a conditional green card. Two years later, he applies for removal of those conditions. The remove the the conditional green card is to show that the jobs have been created. Now, once the jobs have, we can show the jobs have been created. We're looking at year three, three and a half by now then that's it. He doesn't really have to keep his money in the project anymore. But the usual time frame for money to be returned is five years. And the reason for five years is twofold. When this project, when this, uh, the whole EP5 program first started back um, in 2006, 2007, the big competitor that we had was Canada. And the Canadian program had a program whereby they return money after five years. So, of course, we had to be competitive with them initially. But the second reason, and the most important reason, is that it takes at least a minimum of five years for almost every project to be able to return the money anyway, Sure. to stabilize. Um, if it's a hotel, for example, or a, something that you're building, it takes a year to two years to build that, then another two to three years for it to be operational and stabilize and then be able to get refinancing to pay back the investor.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about that part of it, because I think part of the attraction to the developers is the cost of the money. It's a pretty inexpensive inexpensive (laughs) proposition.
5: Right. Well, the cost of the money really, I mean, nothing is free. Uh, We all know that. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, And I suppose legal fees and uh, middleman fees are there, but there's nowhere near the costs that you would have uh, in a normal banking institution. Um, And, of course, that's the attraction to the developer. Um, For the investor, he doesn't get very much. He's lucky if he gets a 1%. Um, But most investors don't really mind. What they want is a green card, and they want their money back. And I think it's kind of understood most of the time that if there is a high interest paid, then you're less likely to get your money back early or f- within five years because that's just the way these would work. If um, if that, if, Because there is so much that you have to do, a developer wouldn't bother if he had to pay back a lot of interest.
0: You know, real estate developers and syndicators who raise other people's money to do deals are certainly interested in the reasons the investors there. Some investors need cash flow, some investors it's just growth of equity over time. In this case, the reason the person's investing. Thing, as you mentioned, is because they're after residency, they want a green card, and maybe they also want to get some dollars out of their country into this country.
5: Right, correct. Well, there's a big thing about real estate, because um, although you can do anything, it's a job creation program, and you'd think that manufacturing would be the popular thing. It actually isn't. It's uh, every investor that I've come across from every country, whether it be Brazil or China or Europe, it loves real estate, bricks and mortar. And yep. the main reason is, um, because there's no um, guarantee there's the risk. When you have bricks and mortar, there's always something. There's something there that you could possibly sell if the project go went down. Or I, And I just feel like it's something tangible, and that's why people prefer that.
0: Our guest is Mona Shah. She's an immigration attorney, and as you can tell, she knows a lot about the EB5 program. When we come back, we're going to talk about how developers can get in on the action. We'll also play real estate trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Elms.
3: Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com.
0: are you achieving everything you want in life what if there was a time-tested way to ensure that 2015 is your best year yet the most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable but how the good news is that it's not rocket science you too can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life and now is the time Hi, this is Robert Helms, and I'd like to personally invite you to attend Creating Your Future, the 2015 Goals Retreat, January 9th to 11th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend event has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click on Events or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. Get your life back on track, physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2015 Goals Retreat on the second weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888 489 7723, extension 18 today.
3: Hi, this is Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Have fun, you'll learn something.
0: Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloader podcast on real estate investing. Thanks for tuning into the program. We'll get back to our interview with Mona Shaw just as soon as we play Real Estate Trivia. It's your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question, which will have something to do with what we've been talking about. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer or we want to guess, send it to us in an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. The first person with the right answer is going to win a copy of the ABCs of Real Estate Investing by our good friend, Ken McElroy. It's an awesome book, especially if you're new to real estate investing, but even the seasoned pros can fix something up in Ken's great work. Before we give you uh, this week's trivia question, last week on the show, it was asked the Guys. We were celebrating the Godfather's 80th birthday, and uh, we asked this, what tiny town was the Godfather born in? And the answer, the budding metropolis of Binger, Oklahoma.
2: Thought it was Burbank.
0: No, uh, that would be another pretty cool (laughs) place, but uh, much smaller than that population. Still, under 1,000. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Mona mentioned Barclays Center in New York, which of course is a big center where they have lots of concerts and events and it hosts a major sports team. Which team is that? And by the way, there's real estate in the sports team's name, as there is in many sports teams names. If you think you know that or maybe you do know it or you just want to guess, quickly send in your answer. It's not as easy as it sounds unless you are really a sports person because, this is a hint the team's name has changed recently so we want to know the name of the professional sports team that plays at barclays center if you think you know that send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. be sure to include your name and your physical mailing address because if you're the winner we're going to send you a copy of the abcs of real estate investing by our good friend and summit faculty member ken mcelroy that's today's real estate trivia question we're in New York City, and Mona Shaw is with us talking about the EB five program, which sounds like a, a revolutionary way to not only fund a deal, but for folks who are outside of the United States to come in. A lot of places, a lot of countries have economic citizenship ways that you can get residency through investments. Sometimes it's uh, group investment, sometimes it's property. But in the U.S., this is uh, this has really changed kind of the choices developers have to raise money.
5: Yes, actually, you're correct. I mean, if you go to Portugal or you go to Spain, you can buy a house for 500,000 euro and you're fine. Um, the UK is a little harder. You have to spend at least a million pounds, which is like 1.6 million dollars. Yep. Um, but the United States method seems to have worked because, and we have a direct comparison here, the Canadian program, which was very popular for an awful long time, closed down earlier this year. And one of the reasons cited for that was because they were not making, uh, it wasn't profitable. There was no new and fresh money coming in. Unlike EB5, where there is new outside money coming in, there's no burden to the taxpayer. Um, it funds a lot of projects which cannot get money elsewhere. Um, and we often see uh we often see situations whereby people use EB5 money just to get some initial capital in order to get a construction loan. Um so it's a stepping stone for a lot of projects.
0: So it could just be the seed capital and then the long-term debt financing or equity even could be the next tranche of that. It
5: It doesn't have to be a loan. It can be equity. There are a lot of small projects which would give you equity, but most people prefer a loan.
0: Okay. Now, let's talk about where these people are coming from. You've helped dozens and dozens and dozens of people do this, actually come in, get their green cards, invest in these projects. Where are they coming from?
5: Well, obviously, the vast majority are coming from China. Initially, when this program first started, the vast majority came from South Korea. So then it switched over in 2006. Um, as of 2014, the top five countries for ep 5 was China, was still South Korea, Taiwan, uh, Venezuela. Iran and Brazil. And we also see, are starting to see India a lot, um, especially since the visa numbers on other areas, um, have such a high weight. For example, for a skilled worker, the, the, the visa numbers suddenly move back to 2005, which means if somebody's a skilled worker, that could be an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, and he gets sponsored, then he has a long wait before he gets his green card. When you file within an EB five for an EB five, it's much, the the visa is current and it's, so it's much faster. Brazil and Venezuela, those numbers are coming up and up, mainly because of all of the violence and the conditions in the countries. And Europe, there's always something from Europe. It's Russia's coming in, and uh, of course, there's a lot from UK.
0: Now with this program there is a limit as to how many of these EB5s are granted per year. How does that part of it work?
5: Well, there are 10,000 visas set aside um for EB5 and unfortunately it's not 10,000 uh investors which is what it should be. It's inc- the 10,000 visas includes the family. Um so this year for the first time we've actually hit a cap. We've hit the cap and uh, it's it's affecting mainland China the most because um 7% is allowed from each country and China has exceeded 7% from for a long time, but they kind of got away with it. This year they haven't, which is going to lead to a lot of problems in the future, so we're, we're waiting to see what's going to happen. It's all in the air on that. But just uh, some interesting statistics for you, by the way. When this really uh, started um, was 2009 plus, or 2008 plus, and in 2009 EB-5 raised 633 million. Now you compare that to 2014, where it's uh, estimated this year, it's raising $1.92 billion. Wow.
0: <laughs> it's catching on. It is. And yet with this cap, I would imagine that means that people are looking to get in quicker. Is there, a, is it starts at the beginning of the year? How did, if I'm out of the country, I want to come in and I want to look at doing this, how do I make sure that I get on the list?
5: Well, other than China, it doesn't affect any other country right now. Okay. So they're all right. But it goes from fiscal year to fiscal year. So it's October to October.
0: Okay. Now, let's talk about developers because uh, we have a lot of folks who listen who go raise capital for projects, and I'm sure they're listening and saying 1% interest. That sounds fabulous.
5: Well, even less most of the time. Or even
0: less than that, right? (laughs) And the the flexibility and the non-recourse and all that. From a practical point of view, what's the process that a developer has to go through to be able to take this money?
5: Well, on a practical level, if developer wants, uh, if a developer wants money quickly, this is not the program because EB5 takes time. But what has happened, um, and again, this is a recent phenomenon the last two to three years is that on the basis of, of EB5 money, there's a lot of banks now starting to give bridge funding, um, which is it uh, gives the developer a really another, another door yeah. <laughs> to capital. Um, and if they know that money's coming in or on the basis of money sitting in escrow, then, um, uh, some, some banks Banks will give you bridge financing.
0: You know, one of the big questions, I think, on both sides is, if I'm the person coming in on the EB-5, I want to know where my choices are and I want to vet deals. If I'm the developer, how do I find the people who are applying for this? So how does that process work? There's various people that have cropped up that have put out their shingle to help. How does that part work?
5: That's the, that's the tricky part, I suppose. Um, but there are people, there are a companies, there are agents who help you. Um, if you go to somewhere like China, for example, it's. Very regulated. Um, over there, or you only get an investor through an agent and all agents, uh, all the agents you're supposed to go to are all, um, uh, regulated with the government. They're all registered with the government. Outside of China, then it's a little harder. Places like Dubai and India, you usually have to go through some kind of, um, professional field. Um, somewhere like Brazil, South America, there are bodies up there, you know, people who are helping investor source. There are ways. And lately, and we can talk about this, further as well because of the jobs act there's a little bit more general solicitation allowed
0: yeah in fact we have been talking about that in the last uh, year really since the, when the jobs act came out and a couple of weeks ago we had an attorney on the program who was bringing us up to speed on what's happened there an amazing world of opportunity right we're talking about alternative funding today we talked a little bit earlier about you know crowdfunding which has become a, a big deal especially in the real estate uh, world and there's going to be more of those um, you know alternative methods which is why this is exciting you guys do a lot of outreach you actually go and travel to these countries to help people understand this. Talk about that.
5: Yes, I do. Well, we're a little different from the average attorneys because um, I was an equity member of two regional centers and the first regional center in New York, which was NYCRCs, uh, which has gone on to bring in a billion dollars plus into New York City. So uh, because of my um, experiences, I did actually market with them. But we, we do it for another reason as well, because we like to bring a service not only to developers, but to investors as well. There's too many people out there, middle people who are just out there to make a quick buck, um, get a commission without really vetting projects properly or even vetting the investors properly. So uh, when we actually go out and we actually market, then we're telling the investors the actual truth of what's going on. We try to make sure that the developers, or rather the developers' agents, are not misleading in any way. Uh, This is important. Um, And we're also trying to cut out all the middlemen in in between.
0: Well, and that's the thing, right? Anytime there's opportunity, you see folks that rise up and look for that, and if there's too many... Parts in the connection, right, it can get kind of watered down right and and these are folks that are obviously they must have some means if they can invest five hundred thousand to a million dollars that's not going to be all they have, so they're probably people that are somewhat sophisticated.
5: Yes, but at the same time, we get a lot of students who've borrowed money. We get a lot of people who, um, one client of mine, for example, um, he's using his, inv- his pension to bring in his sister from, from a country you know, where she's in danger. When we understand the investors, not every investor's loaded. Okay. They've refied their houses. They've, they've borrowed, um, and they can't really afford to lose 500.
0: Right, so they're really after more security than than they are return. Is that what uh, a way to classify? That's it?
5: right. That's why they don't really care about the one or two percent.
0: Yeah, and then once they have their green card, this is a path to that. And and as you mentioned, it's not just the investor, but their family. Does that change the qualification? Is they bring more money in if they have? children
5: no the 1500000 um covers the investor his children one wife <laughs> you smile <laughs> but oh, did, trust me we've had that question how many yes. wives can i bring in one <laughs> one just one <laughs> and no mother-in-law
0: okay so you know we have a, a lister, <laughs> listeners in over 180 countries and uh, if someone's interested in this how do they reach your firm how's the best way to get a hold of you guys so uh, you can help answer their questions
5: i think the web probably is the best on a website it's a www.m mshahlaw.com that's m-s-h-a-h-l-a-w dot com and you can email us at info at Msharlaw.com
0: all right. Uh, if you would, Mona, paint for us kind of where you see the program going. There's a, a cap and there's a lot of demand. Is this going to continue for some time? Would you say that they may change the numbers? What, what's the future of the EB-5 program?
5: I know there's a lot of opposition. And wherever you see money, there's always going to be some f- element of fraud. Um, SEC have become more involved. Um, I think people are becoming a little bit more astute also. There will be cases where there are projects which aren't going to do well. That's just the very nature of business. I don't see the EB-5 program uh, going down anytime soon. There's a lot of money involved. There are a lot of people who need this visa. There's no other way for some people to get into the country other than EB-5. Um, and I feel like that this that, that uh, it's it's getting more and more vetted. So I think that where all the loopholes were before, um, it's taking it's harder to get money in it, into the country without it being vetted by the banks, USCIS. Um, then at the same time. I feel like uh, the projects are becoming more sophisticated. The projects back in 2006 and 2007 where you hear a lot of the horror stories were not anywhere near the projects, either the standard or the sophistication that you see today. Um, so I feel like not only have people developed, not only has the investor developed, projects have developed, but of course at the same time USCIS have developed. What we need to do though is lobby for more investor slots
0: yeah. Well, I mean it seems like in in theory at least and and you are more familiar with the practice and obviously not every Transaction, not every business goes, uh, you know, like it's supposed to according to plan. But in theory, the idea is for the investor, it gives them this opportunity to get their residency. And for the developer, it gives them a a great access to capital, but it's also creating jobs. At the end of the day, that's not a a bad thing, right? No,
5: I I love it. I think it's wonderful. (laughs) I think it's one of the best programs out there.
0: All right. Well, we sure appreciate your uh, time uh, today. And thanks for sharing great information with us. Uh, It's been a pleasure.
5: Thank you very much.
0: All right. More when we come back. We're talking today about alternative ways to get things funded in real estate and business. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program.
3: I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com.
0: Memphis is famous for being the home of the king of rock and roll, but it's also the king of cash flow. If you're looking for affordable cash flow properties, it's hard to beat Memphis. Get your portfolio rocking and more cash flow in your way by calling Terry Kerr at Mid-South Home Buyers. Terry's the king of turnkey properties. Contact Terry through the resource section at realestateguysradio.com. And be sure to order Terry's tips for turnkey rental property investing report. It's free. Just send your request to turnkey at realestateguysradio.com
3: Hello, this is Dave Leninger, co-founder
0: of REMAX International. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. Be sure to tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys and then quickly get to the site at realestateguysradio.com and sign up. The Secrets of Successful Syndication. We're in Las Vegas, Nevada the first weekend of February. If you've ever thought about putting together money to do big deals, this is your chance. The Secrets of Successful Syndication is two days of wonderfulness. Not only great instructions from great faculty members and speakers, but you meet really cool people.
2: I think you come in the week before for the Super Bowl, watch the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, have a wonderful time. Stay Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then come to Secrets of Successful Syndication on Friday and Saturday. Saturday hang out with us the following week. Why do I get a feeling that that's your exact itinerary? I think I'm that's what I'm going to be doing. Be I'm be pretty it. sure.
0: All right well certainly eye-opening great information from Mona Shaw.
2: Yeah it's exciting. I mean it's very exciting and you think back I mean here we are in New York you got the Statue of Liberty out there right bring me your people. I can't remember what the exact quote was. The huddled masses? But yeah but the, here the, the point is the United States was established as a haven. That's what it was. It was where people who wanted to be free, live free, have opportunity, own private property, have a chance not to have to be from royalty or have some divine right, you know, or implied divine right to prosperity, but anybody could do it. And so people came from all over the world to have that freedom. It was our system that attracted capital, and it wasn't just financial capital. It was human capital. It was intellectual capital. And of course, over the years, we became a big country and we've created rules and regulations and things. Uh, But still, countries are competing for capital. And I think despite some of the criticisms of this program, because people say, hey, I'm not sure it's a good idea that our citizenship is for sale. But really, that's kind of the way the United States always has been. And it isn't that it's for sale. It's that we're motivating the right people to bring their capital and to want to become a part of this great country. My dad came in from the Philippines. You know, I wouldn't be here. I'm guessing you aren't Native American. I'm thinking your family came from someplace. Absolutely. My wife's family came in from Italy. The guy had a nickel in his pocket, and he went on to retire at age 49, became a landowner and a farmer in what is now downtown Menlo Park in Silicon Valley. I mean, you know, the family became very wealthy through, guess what, real estate. And it was based on the good old-fashioned work ethic of work hard, Live below your means, save money, buy real assets, don't pay interest, earn interest, don't pay rent, earn rent. And at 49 years old, he never learned to speak English. And he did that in these United States of America. It's the American dream. Well, you know, we take it for granted because it's been so great for so long. And yet people around the world who are just beginning to get a taste of capitalism, you heard the numbers on the Chinese, They have begun to experience what it is like to be fabulously productive and wealthy. And they're looking around the world and they're saying, Hey, that United States looks pretty good. I think I'd like to get a piece of that. And the other thing is that government is a lot more stable maybe for personal freedom than ours. We're enjoying some stuff now. I got some money. But man, if I could, if I could somehow get over there, then, then I have a chance. Well, if somebody is capable in a capitalistic system of getting to the point where they've got an extra $500,000 or a million dollars they're willing to invest, Personally, I don't mind having them here, you know?
0: Well, and I think that is a great point. The other side of that is it doesn't matter whether you do or not. It's a program. It's happening. So I put on my hat as a developer and go, this is access to some capital I didn't even know existed. The expectation isn't for high return, but it comes with some strings. The strings are my project has to create jobs. What's wrong with that? We yeah. need jobs American here. American jobs. Wow. American Right job. here in America. It has to create and maintain jobs. So let's think about that. Let's say I want to develop a self-storage facility. Brilliant idea. Doesn't create enough jobs for what the cost of production is to probably qualify for this. You heard Mona talk about all the different hotels. Well, guess what? A hotel is a real estate business that creates a whole ton of jobs. So it's not an accident that this program is better suited for certain types of real estate than others. Right. So as a developer I listened to this and I went oh my goodness this is a great possible source of capital then I got overwhelmed by all the regulation part of it and learning that but then you know it easy to understand I'm here speaking at an event that she's at and I think wow this is great we got to talk to her so it's like oh my goodness let's figure this out is there a way for a person who's got the ability to bring a great deal to find this kind of funding well of course It's been in the news. She mentioned some of the situations, and I know you're familiar with the article in Fortune magazine about this.
2: Yeah, so probably two, three months ago, uh, Fortune magazine did a cover story on this whole thing, and it had a little bit of a negative slant, which really took me off guard. I mean, this is allegedly a capitalistic type of uh, publication, and it really seemed kind of anti-attracting capital. So I don't know, maybe that was just my take, but that really wasn't the point they profiled a young guy who really didn't have a very strong development background. He was the son of a pharmacist. And they told the story about how he went out and hired a consultant. He went to some seminar to learn how to do EB-5 funding. And he hired a consultant, and the consultant helped him raise $147 million from 300 wealthy Chinese. Now, the article gave him a hard time and really made him look bad. And I don't know what really happened there because the deal didn't happen and these poor Chinese lost their money. Now, they may have ended up getting what they came for, which was the residency or the the citizenship. I don't know. But obviously, it would have been a lot better if they would have gotten a return on their investment. The point isn't that maybe he was a bad actor or it was a bad project. The point is, this was a guy that was under 30 years old, did not have a super strong resume, and he was able, with the help of a consultant, to go out and find people... Willing to invest in his project. He did have a very compelling story and a very compelling project. Well, you know, with that kind of money, he probably could have hired great consultants, great architectural team, great marketing team, great project management team, and and pulled the project off. And again, I don't know where it went sideways, and that's not the point. The point is, this is a guy that raised $147 million for his deal. And so we say all the time, if the deal is right, the money is there. And this guy had what was a very compelling story. And the consultant probably helped him figure out what story needed to work on both sides because it had to both appeal to the Chinese to get the money over here. But it also had to fit the bill what the regulators over in the United States were willing to say was going to qualify for this program. And he was able to do that. So I'm guessing if he could do it, there's probably some people listening to us right now that could do it too.
0: absolutely, especially if your heart's in the right place. You have scruples and ethics and morals, and you're a good business person, and you're trying to expand opportunity, and you've got a project that creates jobs. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. Now, obviously, in our listening audience, it's a minority of people who are going to be able to accept these funds. That's not why we brought you the show. We brought you the show because it's something you should be aware of. You may know someone in your network, but even more so, it's the fact that there is an appetite for capital around the world. And different places are doing different things to attract that capital. As a real estate investor, don't be limited by your thinking. Don't be limited by just, there's only one way to do real estate, I need to have all the money. There's a lot of different ways to get this done.
2: Well, so let's say, for example, you were to set a Google alert in your town or whatever markets you're active in with EB5 and real estate and the name of the town. It just left it at that. I'm guessing every day you would get in your news something. And maybe one day you would get news of a project that's happening in your town with EB-5 money. You didn't have anything to do with raising the EB-5 money. You don't know anything about it. But you find out, because you're paying attention, before the rest of the world, that this money is coming to town. It's going to do a big project, bigger than anything you'd ever contemplated doing. But guess what? There's a parking lot you could buy that's nearby. There's a little infill lot that you could grab. There's some houses nearby, maybe. These are
0: businesses that
2: create jobs. What do people with jobs need housing housing absolutely so even if you're a bread and butter investor this is a clue it's always about trying to figure out where the money is flowing in a community and getting in front of it so that when the opportunity comes and is obvious to everybody else, you've already been there and you're in position.
0: All right, well, big thanks to Mona Shaw for taking time out of her busy legal schedule to spend time with us. I'm guessing it's not the last we'll hear from Mona. Hey, next week on The Real Estate Guys, we are super excited to fix the error of our ways from last year. For many, many years, the last show in October is Halloween Horror Stories, real estate case studies that have gone wrong with great lessons, And last year, we didn't do Halloween Horror Stories. And you know what? You guys busted us. We got people afterwards who said, hey, what happened to Halloween Horror Stories? So I'm not going to give away how exactly, but I will tell you this. We have gone above and beyond to make sure that next week's show is absolutely fabulous. So we'll see you next week on Halloween Horror Stories. Until then, go out and make some equity happen.
3: This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at BeYourBank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers. Low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct. Asset protection strategies for real estate investors. From attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton.